Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. With Who Knows Wins, this is not betting as you know it. Put your money where your mates are. Playing is easy. Make your predictions on the outcomes of your chosen fixtures. For every result you predict correctly, you get a point in your league. At the end of the competition, whoever's got the most points wins and proves their top dog. Choose your own entry fee, however substantial or small, and split the winner's pot as you see fit. Who Knows Wins. Download the app now and start playing. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. And this morning, things seem a little bit brighter off the back of that Huddersfield win. A very good win last night, which we're going to go into in detail. Of course, we'll reflect on the Norwich game as well. Gregor, you're still up north at the moment. So it's nice, isn't it, to start a podcast on a positive note. It actually feels like it's been a little while. Yeah, it does. I I thought it was a really good win, as you said last night, and you're right, it is nice to start a, a blog, sorry, a podcast that way. And uh, yeah, I actually thought they were well deserving of the three points last night. I've seen a few fans saying online that, that, that they were outplayed at times, or, or the Huddersfield end saying that they dominated for periods, but I didn't see the game that way. I thought it was fairly even, um, but I thought Bristol City did have probably the better chances, and and probably deserved it a bit better. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Got, that just, got that just rewards. We'll dive into Huddersfield and Detail in just a second, but I quickly, I don't want to gloss over the Norwich result because we've seen the highlights and you were at the game. Just, that is a game that they were outplayed in, isn't it? And, you know, Bristol City, I think they had 15 shots, managed six uh, on target. And at 3-1, when Narky Wells takes that penalty, what is going through his mind? Because... Yes, Norwich were the better team and they deserved to win, but that was pretty disastrous, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I don't think you're going to come up against as good a side as Norwich City every week. They are, for me, actually, they've got the best attack in the division. I mean, I've not, I've not seen, I've not watched Brentford yet this season, and obviously they've got a bit of a, a reformed unit there with um, Ivan Tony now leading the line there. But for me, Norwich, who've got the best attack, they were better than Bournemouth the game before. They were just so incisive. And that was kind of helped, though, by Bristol City being woeful at the back. And yeah. I, I do look at that game in different ways. I thought Bristol City did attack very well themselves. And you know I love the expected goals stats. Mm. If you look at those, then they actually had a higher expected goal total than Norwich in the game, two point. 0-1 to 1.93 according to the Y Scout, which shows they created better chances than Norwich, although that does include a penalty, which is always around 0.76 per goal. Mm. So so attacking wise, I don't think they had too many problems, especially if, if as you as you say, if Wells takes that penalty, then it is a very close game. But yeah, yeah just defensively they were cut apart and they gave so much room to Timmy Pookie. And what Will annoy what annoys me and will annoy all the fans is that you go into a game like that and you say the main men to watch out for are Team Ubuki and anyone who watches Norwich a lot, Emmy Buendia, who creates all the chances for him. And yet those two guys had <laughs> their best games of the season. So yeah, it was annoying. But I actually as well thought that looking back at those goals, although they were individual errors marking wise from Finer Callas and more, all three of them made mistakes. Mm. But I also thought that it was the sort of thing that you can get onto the training grounds and work on because you can basically, there was so much gap between the lines, as they say. They yeah. weren't compact, they weren't in shape. 
They were too slow getting back into position, those kind of things. It was a lack of organisation partly. So actually, Dean Holden has to take a little bit of the blame. But likewise, Dean Holden takes a lot of the credit for a much improved performance on, on Tuesday night. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to come on to because going into the Huddersfield game, I did not feel confident. I, I did something with their club TV before and with the run that Bristol City had been on and you know the way they had those gaps and things just weren't clicking really since the international break. I was concerned uh, when Huddersfield had had a couple of decent results lately. They'd beat Huddersfield as well. Sorry, they, Huddersfield had beat Swansea. Get my brain in the right order. Huddersfield beat Swansea um, the Saturday before on the 17th. So I wasn't feeling that confident, but a lot of character was shown, you know, to come from behind as well. But you're fearing the worst when you go 1-0 down just before half time. But is it down to Antoine Semenyo as well? Because I've heard that he was a complete super sub. Yeah, he was. He was He was really brilliant last night. And it's really encouraging watching him play at the moment because he does seem to be getting better game by game. And he, yeah, as we all know, he grabbed the vital assist last night. But I, I do laugh to myself a little bit about that because... You may have seen in the build-up to it, he, he sort of out-muscles Richard Stearman on the edge of the box, but the ball just brushes his hand on the floor as he, as he goes down on the deck. And in another game, another referee just spots that and immediately mm. stops it. Yeah. And uh, and and then, yeah, you, it's a different game. That goal is disallowed. and I don't want to dwell on it, but how different could things have been? Yeah. That happens. They don't win or, or even they... They carry on to lose, and it's a, a fourth loss in five games, and no no wins in six. That's massive. So that kind of puts some context on the result last night. That it was a big game for Dean Holden, uh, a big result, and it made me feel like it was like um, Ipswich Town a couple of years ago when Lee Johnson really needed a win. I remember that. Yeah, yeah they went to Ipswich Town, an incredible game. They won three two, really topsy turvy game, and although it wasn't quite the same game. It, it was. It feels that important because it releases the pressure yeah. and helps City get out of the league. But yeah, sorry, I'm getting away from Semenyo. He was he was fantastic. <laughs> he was fantastic. A real architect of the, the result last night. It's great to see. Yeah, and looking at the stats, you know, Bristol City didn't have most of the ball, but sometimes when you're away from home, that is how you have to play. And what did you make of um, Dean Holden's tactics in the second half? Because he switched to four three three, and he was being sort of lambasted for sticking with with three five two before that. So does that show well actually he can adapt and he can read the situation? Yeah, it does. I, actually, I, it's probably been one of my main worries about Dean Holden. I really like what he's been doing with his building of the squad. I like the tactics and system that he's implemented because I do think he gets the best out of the Bristol City squad. I don't blame him for sticking with a settled squad or team. Um, but my main worry has been his substitutions and affecting the games. Mm. And I thought he got this one bang on and, he, and he's got the result as, uh, yeah, as according to those substitutions he's, ma he's made. As you say, he switched to 4-3-3. It seemed to suit Bristol City a, a lot more. And I wonder now, has he found a plan B? Or, yeah, or has he found another plan A? Yeah, well, quite. I, I wonder, we'll go on to the seven-side derby, but I just wonder, after having this string of bad results, then switching to that and seeing the results in minutes, whether whether there's that, that temptation to do that on 
on Friday. But I wanted to ask you, because you've seen more than us, you're at the game. Um, what happened when Narky Wells came came off? I've seen a few people say maybe a word with Dean Holden or or something happened that didn't look that friendly. Did you see this? I didn't. I have to admit, no, I didn't, because I was looking at the game. What The dugout, <laughs> which sounds, this is going to sound stupid, but the dugout was right in front of me. And I, I did know that there was something that happened because I was listening to the radio in one ear and listening to and, and watching the match and typing and listening to the game uh, all at the same time. So I looked up and, and Narky Wells was rejoining the substitutes at that, at that point. But it was a bit of an odd situation because I could tell that something wasn't quite right from the way he was looking at the other players and they were looking back at him. And um, right. since I had several fans say to me, what went on when he came on, off the pitch? Because he didn't seem to shake hands with Dean Holden and okay. whether there was a, a bit of, yeah, yeah, something there. Because Dean Holden did shake the other players' hands as he came off. So I I, I think, yeah, probably Wells was didn't enjoy coming off against his former club. And I do think he was playing pretty well. And he, he maybe... Bar, didn't he? Yeah, maybe he's getting a bit annoyed at coming off all the time. But whether that's... Yeah, it's probably not something that can't be sorted out between the pair then, but it's something for me to ask at the pre-Cardiff press uh, conference on Thursday, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we, we touched on this before and I spoke to him about it in our podcast a couple of weeks ago. How do you go from transitioning to being the assistant coach where you're that go-between and you keep the players happy where the head coach, you have to make these, these decisions? And that is a challenge for him. Is there a hangover from what happened at the weekend? With I mean, I think everyone was a bit annoyed at Wales for what he attempted with that Panaka and, and trying to chip it and chip it over the bar. I mean, the more I look back at it, the more ridiculous it seems. Is there a chance he could be dropped for Friday? I, I do think his finishing has not been the quality that we would expect from him. He keeps... The thing though that I like about him is that he keeps getting the chances, as, as they say, that's a bit of a cliche, but it's also his work off the ball. He, he does work so hard for the team. It's those selfless runs down the channel. and Vimanesque. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you actually see last night, he actually puts in several decent crosses. He, put, he clips in that one, just comes off the defender and goes right to Brunt's feet on the edge of the area in the second half. And I really saw actually Chris Brunt was going to score a goal there, but it comes to his right foot and he, he slashes at it and it, it goes wide. But that's a constant feature of Wells' game. That he's, he's always running in behind and providing a bit of an outlet and he works damn hard for the team as well. So, yeah, I, he keeps getting the chances and I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't had more goals. I do think it's becoming a little bit of an issue. But at the same time, this is, this is good for Bristol City in a way because they've got other guys who deserve to play. You know, yeah, coming to the Semenya. Floor. Semenya was brilliant last night. I just think with him, he's got those two goals in the Carabao Cup. He just needs that first league goal because yeah. I, I, I feel that that's playing a little bit on his mind. And he's getting a couple of assists. He was unstoppable at times last night. Um, and that, that, that kind of leads on to Jada Silva, who obviously did get his first professional goal last night, which was brilliant to see. I spoke, spoke to him myself actually after the game and he played um, he paid compliments to Antoine Semenya for setting up his very first goal. Yeah, it was nice to see Jay De Silva on the score sheet and I was sort of surprised to hear it down my headphones when uh, Cammy said on Soccer Special last night, but uh, delighted. Right, coming up, uh, we are going to talk about Tyreek Bakinson, what happened with him before the game and another midfielder as well. And please join our Who Knows Wins League this week. Each week we ask you to join if you fancy it. Uh, it's on the app, the Who Knows Wins app. 
you can predict six scores and the more points you get, the more chance you have of winning a share of the pot. And the pot goes up and up and up the more Bristol City fans that play. So it's a bit of fun. If you fancy it, check out the Who Knows Wins app. Robins at the gate. With Who Knows Wins, this is not betting as you know it. Download the app now and start playing. Robins at the gate with Michelle Owen. Right, welcome back. Uh, Gregor Tyrick Bakinson had a headache and felt dizzy before kickoff. Um, did something happen or was this illness? I think it was just illness. Dean Holden said after the game that he had just yeah felt unwell before the game and it was probably a migraine or something like that. And he expected him to be back in training later this week and he should be in contention for... Friday's big game. So, yeah, I don't think that's a huge worry there. That's good. But a, a big positive last night was Callum O'Dowd's performance. For some fans, I do believe that he just can't do right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of them. But by all accounts, a very good performance from him last night. I, I do, you know, personally, I was like, oh, how is he going to play when he plays in, in that midfield like that? Is that the right position for him? But what did you think? I thought it was excellent last night. A lot of fans seem to get on his back. And to be fair... He hasn't shown the best of his form at all. I, I still think there's a player there. I mean, we've probably seen better performances for Ireland than we have for Bristol City. And mm. actually, that was one of the things I asked Dean Holden last night. I said to him, we haven't seen the best of Calmo Dowder. Uh, how did you feel he got on last night? And yeah, Holden agreed, agreed basically, that he, he was superb. And I, I do think he was yeah instrumental in the win last night as well because he had so many of those driving runs from midfield. He really... Sort of, re- he actually replaced Andy Byman well because he pressed hard. Uh, and if you look at uh, the Bournemouth game last week, that early chance that Antoine Semenyo has where he hits the side netting in the, just the first couple of minutes, that all comes about from Calamo Dowder pressing high, mm. winning the ball in, in, the, in the final third of the game, which Andy Byman does a lot. And, and O'Dowder has come in and is doing now. But O'Dowder, yeah, was superb last night. Lots of runs from midfield, taking people on. He draws so many fouls and he gets yellow cards for the opposition. So, yeah, it was, um, I thought he did very well. He could be in contention then for Friday evening against Cardiff City. I was due to be at this one, Gregor, but because of COVID, um, I was going for the for the BBC, but they're not, they're not letting us into Wales to report. They're keeping it in Wales, which is super frustrating because I was so excited. But like everyone else, I'll be watching on. You'll be there. Um, they had a brilliant win last night, Cardiff, 3-0, albeit against Barnsley. When you look at the the table now, Bristol City, it looks so positive again. They're in the top six. Um, Cardiff on 13 points, Bristol City on 17. Cardiff had a little bit of a, a mixed start, really. They lost to QPR before that, and before that, they were just draw. I think they drew three games in a row, one all. <laughs> so um, they're a bit unpredictable this season, Cardiff. It's a massive rivalry. After the last two games, I believe I'm right in saying that the team that's lost 1-0 have sacked their manager. It was Neil Warnock followed by Lee Johnson, of course. Yeah. So, um, what, what are we expecting? Because I look at this Cardiff team and, and of course, there's some ex-Bristol City in there with Marlon Pack. Uh, Aidan Flint isn't there anymore. He's gone out on loan. It's really not worked out for him at all since he left Bristol City. But then you look, they've got Harry Wilson. Kiefer Moore is such a handful, the Welsh international. So there's a lot to think about for a Bristol City defence that has looked a little bit wobbly lately. Yeah, there is. And I think that's why it's so important to get a result last night. Um, even a draw 
might have been enough. But to get a win is is just superb. Raises confidence in in the players, but also the supporters because yeah, as you say, they can look at the table with a bit of pride and go into this game believing. He didn't. I don't think the club wanted to go into this game off the back of yeah four defeats in five. The pressure really would have been on mm. Holden, and and if if they then lost against Cardiff, who, who knows? But we don't have to go down that road. So yeah, and as you say. Cardiff are a little bit unpredictable. I see that they've only lost one of their last six games, mm. but they but they haven't been winning or certainly convincing in all of them. And yeah, I heard I, I read some of the comments from Neil Harris actually after the loss to QPR at the weekend, and he was certainly not happy and questioning of his team. And but they have responded and given him a reaction against Barnsley, who were in form themselves. And this kind of just sums up the craziness of the championship. Apart from Reading, you've shown a bit of consistency, although I do feel that they're going to be reined in a little bit. I think they, they might be in a bit of a false position at the moment. This this league is just so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there was a, a result... Coventry beat Reading like, the last, last yeah. time they played. At the time of recording, that was their last game. And you're just like, what? Co- I've seen Coventry play and I would not have expected that. Coventry are, were near the bottom at that point. But of course, it's so early on. The places are just chopping and changing all the time. Yeah, and, and then you've got Sheffield Wednesday, four defeats in a row, and suddenly they beat Bournemouth, the un, the unbeaten yeah. team in the side. That's sorry, in the division. So yeah, it's, it's the championship remains crazy. We we know this. That's probably why we love covering this yeah. league so much. It's just anything can happen. And yeah, just on Bristol City, I I think they've got they'll have obviously rejuvenated ambitions going into this game, and anything can happen. And but just from seeing City play week in week out, I do feel. There's a little bit more to this side than we've seen of Bristol City in the last couple of seasons. A bit more dynamic? Yeah, yeah, possibly that. Um, I I actually think a lot of it is to do with the spirit. I mm-hmm. think this is a big, this is a key point of, of why Dean Holden was appointed. And I think this is what it brings to the table. That he has got everybody um, playing the right way, playing for him. I'll have to do some investigation on the wealth situation, obviously. But I do feel that everybody is in it together and they, they want to get results for him. And I'm not sure that was always the case before. Yeah. So, yeah, it, that's that's pulling them through and, and maybe where that result came from it, in, a, in a little way last night. Yeah, and, and perhaps that is, you know, we talked about Dean Holden actually having that tactical awareness, which maybe we haven't given him credit for, but something we have talked about before is his man management. And it's something that he told us in the podcast that he's really really big on and perhaps that is being reflected in what you're seeing and what we're seeing when we're down Ashton Gate sometimes you see things that you don't see on the TV and you don't see on on the feeds and you can see that that sort of camaraderie it's just the little things isn't it yeah you know when when they're sat on well it's not the bench when they're sat on the stand or when a player comes off I I just I do enjoy sort of watching the body language like you say of when players come off and that's what made me think about Narky Wells last night so it'll be so interesting I'm absolutely intrigued to see if Wells starts on Friday but also I do feel Bristol City have had a bit of a tough schedule you know last week the Wednesday evening the Saturday lunchtime it's pretty much the same turnaround again this time they've got a little bit longer but Tuesday night to Friday night it's not long is it they're having a tough schedule and why are they playing on Friday because there's no fans there so is it because it's a, a televised game? It, it just, it feels like they've had a bit of a rough a rough ride in terms of timing. It does, and they had a, a day less to prepare for the Norwich game last week as well. I'm not too sure if that actually made too much difference in the end, but, but all these things likely add up. And yeah, well, fr- Friday, I know they are on the telly, it's six o'clock kickoff though. 
I know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just a terrible <laughs> deal for for supporters as well because a lot of people may not have even finished work by then. So yeah. it, it's it's awful timing. And as you say, why the Friday? It's it's a really quick turnaround. The only good thing is that both teams played on Tuesday night, so there's no real advantage no. there. And it is it is just a local game, so, so there's not so much travelling either. Yeah. How, so, how, how important, though, I mean, it goes without saying, isn't it? If they could get a win here, it would completely change the outlook of these chunk of games because it's not been the best period since the last international break. We go into another international break. So really, the three points is pretty vital, isn't it, going into this one? And actually, if they do win... Depending on results elsewhere, they could go up even further. Well, yeah, it's just it's thankfully it's the end of sort of October or, or stopover where um, we weren't getting any points for Bristol City. They didn't win a game all month, I believe. And yeah, thankfully we're into November and have started winning again. As you say, it would be huge if they can get anything from Cardiff. I think a point would be very decent if they could get three points. Then yeah. Anything could happen this season. So I think it'll be really tough. I think it'll be close like last season and uh, it might only be settled by one goal. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre season. What would be annoying though is if they win two on the bounce and they break again and they lose all their momentum, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that's something you've got to deal with though, isn't it, in in this league? And I know a few of the fans have voiced a a bit of frustration and worry about whether the international break does hinder the team's chances and, yeah becomes a, a road bump in the, in the season to be navigated. But the only, the only thing is, I'd say that it might benefit Bristol City because I think we might then get Liam Walsh and Joe Williams back. In those I was people. about to say, yeah, injuries-wise, this Joe could be injury. a good thing. A, a quick update on injuries before we go, uh, Gregor, because those two could be close, couldn't they, after the international break? And that could be massive. Yeah, I mean, certainly with the loss of Andy Vyman for the season, which is such a big blow. You just yeah. can't un- underestimate how, huge, how much that's taken huge. Yeah, I yeah, mean, the, on, the work rate and his energy, it can't be replaced. Yeah, on on and off the pitch. Uh, but although Callum Adal is doing a, a fairly good impression of, of, of late. But yeah, you're right. The other guys, Liam Walsh and Joe Williams, are expected back at some point after the international break. So that that will be really huge because they, they could add something to the midfield. They may even be first-choice midfielders by the end of the season. There could be um, any chance of, of tapping into the free agent market. Well... I've asked Dean Holden about that. They're going to look at it, and I don't expect them to do anything before Friday. I think right. they will seriously look at it over the next couple of weeks over international break. I'm not sure they will go down that route. There's, there's a chance they will, but it, could, it might only be a, a sticking plaster if they do. A bit like uh, Ashley Williams. If yeah. you look at the, the other guys who come in, Stefan Marinovic. Oh, the stories behind we Marinovic. Go. We could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and Rodri, uh, Rodri a year ago, who Lee oh, Johnson I forgot called, about him, which says yeah, it all. <laughs> Lee Johnson called him a street rat from, from Spain. Uh, wow. so, so, yeah, those guys, they haven't really worked out too successfully. So I think they will have a look, but they might not do it. They might not definitely bring anybody in. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. It's a market that you have to tap into very, very carefully, I, f- I feel. And I don't think it's been tapped into that carefully by Bristol City of late. So we'll keep a close eye on that one. And I know Gregor will be across it as well. If you keep an eye on his uh, Twitter, at G McG. Uh, so, yeah, we've had to sort of be a bit 
fluid with our podcasts lately, but we will be back next week in the international break because uh, Bristol City play on Friday, so we will look to record start of next week. Well, we all sort of take a breather, Gregor. What a relentless schedule for you as well. So <laughs> we will catch up next week and, and reflect on, yeah, not the best October, but hopefully a more positive start to November for Bristol City and look ahead to Derby and just... The games keep on coming straight after the international break. So we'll look ahead to Derby uh, in the next podcast. And we'll, I guess we'll assimilate and look into how Bristol City season has started because we'll be, is it 11 games in by then, Gregor? It is, yeah. We're up to, yeah, quarter of the season almost done. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's flying. And at least we've got football over lockdown this time as well. That's a that's a big relief, isn't it, Gregor? Uh, hurrah, hurrah. Thank yes. goodness for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad we're up through that. We're just so sad the fans aren't back with us yet, as everyone says. Uh, right, that's it from us this week. Then check out our sponsor, Who Knows Wins. Get your predictions in for the weekend. Six games across the Championship and Premier League for you to uh, take a guess at. Get your prediction in. Have a little look at the form. And you could be winning a share of the pots. Just check out the Who Knows Wins app. Gregor, thanks always. And uh, enjoy the game on Friday night. We'll be watching on and discussing it next week. And thank you for listening. Robins at the gate. With Who Knows Wins. This is not betting as you know it. Download the app now and start playing. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.